Well, we have been looking at this series entitled Thriving, uh, Learning to Thrive and Not Just Surviving in Life. And our theme verse has been Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24, which says, A discerning man keeps wisdom in view. And a man who has discernment keeps wisdom in view. And over the last couple of weeks, this is part four, uh, we have said that every man, if we're going to thrive and not just survive, first week, if you missed it, you can find it online, I need power to live on. I need power to live on. And we looked at God's Word as to where the power comes from. The second week, we said, I need rules to live by. I need power to live on, and I need some rules to live by. The guys, we oftentimes don't like rules, but we need rules. How many of you know we need rules? Uh, we need rules to kind of keep us as best we can inside the guardrails and in the lanes. Uh, and then the third week, last week, we said, I need a plan to live out. I need a plan to live out. So I need power, I need rules, and I need a plan. Which brings us to this week, uh, week four, which is, I need a mission to live for. I need a mission to live for. I need to have a life mission. I need to have um, a life goal or a couple of goals in my life that drive me, that whether I'm in my 20s or in my 50s or in my 80s, regardless of whether I'm single or married, uh, whether I'm overemployed or underemployed, whether I'm, uh, whether I'm in a good marriage or a bad marriage, I need to have these driving forces, but one of those needs to be, I need a goal to live for. I need a mission to live for. Four. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And so as we think through this, um, many of us have, have seen uh, that uh, this is the, probably have noticed that this is the 100th anniversary of the NFL. And they're releasing all of these great lists, right? Uh, the 100, 100 great moments in sports, the greatest players or whatever. Did anybody see the list of greatest plays? Uh, they listed, uh, you know, 100 all the way down. Number one was what? No, it was the Immaculate Reception. Franco Harris, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, wasn't even supposed to be near the play, in the play, catching the ball at all, but he's running towards the ball, right? And always, that's what, if you've ever had a good coach, he says, boys, good things happen near the ball, right? Whether you're on defense or offense, go to the ball. That's where something's going to happen. And it's one of these things that ball deflects off one of his other receivers. He catches it uh, right before it hits the ground, picks it up. He's running towards the goal line. So he's doing, he's not supposed to be in the play, right? The ball wasn't supposed to go to him, but he's in the right place, running the right direction, and he snags the ball just above the turf. And much to the chagrin of so many Oakland Raider fans, he runs it all the way into the end zone. And that ends up being the best play. Why? Because a guy that wasn't supposed to be in the play, wasn't supposed to be in the area, was still doing the right thing. He had a mission. I am going to head towards the ball. And while I'm heading towards the ball, I'm also going to be running towards the goal line. And if something ever happens to happen, happens, uh, to happen in my life that I didn't expect, I'm in the right place, going the right direction, and good things just might happen. And so, guys, that's a good lesson for all of us. Uh, not to be Steelers fans. That's not a good lesson, okay? The lesson is be going the right way, in the right vicinity, doing the right thing, and something good might happen in your life even when you don't expect it. And that ended up being the number one greatest moment, number one greatest play in all of NFL history. Now, I am not a Steelers fan. 
but I'm still enamored every time he catches the ball. One, because he was in the right place, going the right direction, and, 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 and I guess I can enjoy it better because it wasn't against the Cowboys. Now, you begin to show me the Lynn Swan play, I turn away. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because I know what's going to happen. We've made, we're in good position playing defense. That ball gets flipped up in the air, and then all of a sudden he catches it. There are a couple of other plays in some of those Super Bowls against the Steelers that I just know when they're on the end zone and you see Jackie Smith going out and going to turn around, he still ain't going to catch the ball, right? But as we think about it, I need a purpose to live for. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. And, and so here's, here, here's the first thought. John chapter 17, verse 4, if you want to write this down. Here's what Jesus said. He says, I have brought you glory. This is Jesus talking to the Father. I have brought you glory here on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. All right, what is Jesus saying? That is in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Uh, at the beginning of the prayer, Jesus prays for us, prays for you, and then he prays to the Father. And he says, I, God, I've brought you glory by finishing the work that you have sent me here to do. Guys, we all have a mission. We all have a goal. We all have a purpose. And when Jesus acknowledged, just before he's delivered into the hands of sinful men, just before he's given in place, uh, given his life uh, for the sins of the world, just before he's nailed to the cross, he pauses and prays and says, God, I brought you glory. How? I finished the race. That's what Paul says. But Jesus says, I've finished my mission. My mission was to come and do the will of the Father. Guys, you and, all, you and I, uh, we all want to hear someday the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, how does that happen? If I'm in the right vicinity, headed the right direction, towards the goal line, something good happens, then if I finish the mission that God has called me to, we can pray exactly what Jesus prayed. God, I've finished my course. I've given you glory because as best I can, I've done what you wanted me to do. That's really where we want to be as, as a children of God. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, you might want to write this down. Here's what it says. Uh, this is Paul. He's talking. He says, however, so Jesus said, I've finished what you've given me to do, the mission and the work that you've given me to do. Here's what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, God, I consider my life worth nothing to me. And this is what Paul says. He says, my only aim is to finish the race. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 24. To finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. He says, that's my goal. My goal in life is to finish my race and to complete my task. Jesus says, when he prayed to the Father, I've given you glory because I've finished the work that you've given me to do. Guys, God has given every one of us work to do. And we need to understand that we are going to bring God glory and we're going to find the most fulfillment in life when we finish our race and we complete our task that God has given us to do. Now, what is your particular task or my particular task? I don't know yours. I do know mine, right? 
Mine is to do the best job I can as pastoring this church and leading this church with every flaw and every failure that I have with all of my limitations, whether it's, whether it's a, a physical or intellectual or speaking or relational, whatever my failures are, my job is to do the best job I can to always be available to do what God has called me to do. And let me tell you what, that is still your call. I want you to know that is not just Jesus' call. That is not just uh, Paul's call. Every man in this room has a mission that God has for you. Now, I don't know what it is, but I can promise you it's there. Some of you, it's going to be a particularly public thing where people are going to see you fulfill your task in front of you. Others, it's going, to be on, it's going to be in the background that a lot of people aren't going to notice. But at the end of the day, we all want to be able, be able to bow with Jesus and say, I brought you glory because I've finished the work that you have given me to do. Newsflash, guys. None of you can pray that prayer yet. None of you can pray that prayer yet. Why? Not because you haven't been faithful to this point, but because you're not finished yet. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Nobody in this room is finished. God's still got more for you to do. And so the question is, how do I know what my life's mission is? Now, I do believe that there are a lot of guys that, that we know what we're supposed to do at work. We know what we're supposed to. We, I'm an accountant. I'm an engineer. I'm a sales rep. I'm in this. I mean, we know what we're supposed to do in life, but we don't necessarily know what we're supposed to do to God, do for God. And so, I want to share this with you. I want to give you really four or five questions that'll help you define your life mission as you make the rest of your journey towards ultimately finishing your course. So let me give you a thought. Now notice as we go back to Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul gave us two important thoughts. One, he says, listen, he says, my life is worth nothing to me. In other words, Paul says, here's what I know. Whatever life and breath I have, I want to live it for God. And, and by the way, if you, if you look at that in the original language, uh, that worth nothing to me, it is an accounting term. He says, when I reckon it all out, when I balance my account, when I think about what God has given me and what I'm given God, he goes, my wife, life is basically worth nothing. It does not compare with the riches and grace that God has given me and the mercy that God has given me. It doesn't compare. Then the second thing he says, notice what he says. He says, my job is to finish the race. And so guys, from here on out, if we're going to be who God wants us to be, we need to understand that, that the value of my life compared to the grace and mercy God has given me, it doesn't compare. And the second thing is, is our call is to finish the race. Now guys, there are men in here that are at all levels of completion. Some of you, You've been a believer for a long time and you have stood there staring at the start line. You know at some point and someday, how many of you know a little bit of what I'm talking about? I'm going to get in the race. Anybody ever thought that? Man, I'm, there's going to come a day when I'm really going to be getting to serve God. And when they ask for somebody to volunteer to serve at Fall Festival, there's going to come a year when I'm going to say yes. 
When they ask someone to bring candy, there's going to come a year I'm going to say yes. When they ask someone to step up and, and go to a life group, there's going to come a year when I go, go to a life group. There's going to come, how many of you know what I'm talking about? That may not be your particular answer, but isn't that the man's way when it comes to spiritual things? How many times is it not the wife that leads out and she's kind of tugging us and pulling us? We know in our mind that God has something for us to do and we know that there's going to come a day when I'm going to start the race. But the truth is, guys, we need to honestly examine our own lives and say wherever you are, whether you haven't even really started, whether you're in the middle of it, the one thing I know about every man in this room is you haven't finished it. And that is a good thing. Because, of that, because that means there's still race ahead of you. So let me give you a, a couple of quick questions. And here are the questions I want to ask and answer, and I need to do it pretty quickly. Question number one is this. How do I determine my life mission, my life person, uh, purpose in life? Uh, question number one we're going to ask. What will I tether my life around? That's question number one. What will I tether my life around? What will be the center point of my life? How many of you are familiar with tetherball on the playground? Right? Uh, that is the place where if you are really coordinated and you play against the right person, you can almost knock your friend out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because if you can hammer that ball in just the right direction and they're not that good with ball skills, uh, you can take them out. But what happens? The whole point is that ball is tethered to a pole, right? Once it gets spun up, it gets tighter and tighter to the core. And the only thing that can happen at that point is you have to unspin it and turn it around. But what's it still wrapped around? It is tethered to the pole, right? So what is your life tethered around? If your life is tethered around your own wants, your own personality, your own thoughts, your own desires, I want you to know you're going to find yourself going in all directions. Now, if your life is tethered around the gospel and God's grace in your life and your spiritual walk, there are going to be times when the world spins you around. But when life gets out of control for you, if you are tethered to the right thing, you're going to get tighter and tighter to the core and eventually you're going to get secure. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So question number one, if you are trying to figure out what is your life supposed to be, is what is your life tethered around? Have you come to a place in your life and in your journey where you have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord? Where God has taken the clip of His grace and He's hooked it onto your rope. And that even perhaps in those seasons when you're like the prodigal son, where you're journeying away because you are tethered to God's grace and love, you are only going to go so far before you repent and come back. And so what's your life tethered around? You say, Pastor, how do I know what my life tethers around? I would just simply say what you end up closest to most of the time. When life gets a little out of control, what you come back to. Think about that tetherball. When it begins to swing, it eventually begins to come closer and closer to the pole. Sometimes it can get out there a ways, right? But only to a certain extent. So let me ask you a question. When life gets out of control or you get your opportunity for freedom, where do you go? 
Some, some people that go to bad habits, they maybe go back uh, to, uh, to some addiction they struggle with, some thought process they struggle with. Uh, they go do their own thing. Things get a little tough. Uh, man, I look over here at Brian, and man, he's been through it, guys. From, if you've seen a healthy-looking young man right over here to some tough stuff. And what's he tethered to? I think you're seeing. First chance he gets, he's right back in here. Guys, your life is going to deal you that kind of blow at some point. And the question is going to be, what are you tethered back to? What do you come back to? So what are you tethered to? That's going to help you. Here's question number two. What kind of character do I want to have? What kind of character do I want to have? If I want to understand God's race for me and what my purpose in life is, and I'm going to make sure that I define my purpose and my race according to what God, not only what am I tethered to, hopefully it's the gospel, it's the church, it's other men. Here's the second, what do I want my character to be like? Here, here's kind of the idea here. When we are standing at your funeral, what do you want us to say about you? That's your character. That's who you are as a person, right? I want you to know, and let me, let me just share this with you. When, when my funeral happens, and it will, how many of you know it will? The statistics are stacked against me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could be sooner than later. The statistics are stacked against me. If, if at my funeral, everybody said he was a really good orator, that guy was a good preacher, I would be discouraged. My hope is that you would joke and say, yeah, he really wasn't that good of a speaker. He didn't always put the words in the right order. But man, he seemed to love us and he seemed to be real. He seemed to share life with us. He's just kind of one of us. If you're an accountant, boy, he, he really could do math. How many of you in here an accountant, you'd be fired up if that was engineers, got engineers in the room. They could really engineer. That's not what we want, right? What do we want? We want people to say, you know what? He wasn't perfect. That was a good man. That he loved people. I mean, when I was down, he was one of the people that were there for me. He was one I knew I could call on. I could, I could be there for. When my wife finally has her break, I know there are people I can reach out to. Guys, what kind of character do we want people to remember us by? Not, that dude was loaded. I'm talking about on money. Some of y'all are thinking, loaded? What a character. So question number one, what's my life tethered to? Question number two, what kind of character am I going to live with? 
Question number three, what contribution am I willing to make to God and others? What contribution am I willing to make to God and others? Some of you might be men of amazing means. And your contribution to the kingdom of God will someday or is perhaps now amazing. I mean, guys, let me tell you what. If you think about some of the hospitals that have been built and some of the massive structures that have been built at Christian uh, you know, organizations and nonprofits, if you think about mission work that has been funded, you got some guy that's called to go to the other side of the world to a people group that's never heard the gospel. And guess what? The only way that happens because some wealthy businessman provides for it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That may be your life. But for the vast majority of us, we're going to be in this mushy middle, right? We're going to have enough to feed our family, to uh, fix our dogs, repair people's cars, and give a little bit to the kingdom. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's where most of us will live financially. But that's not the essence of who we are. And what we can contribute. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Every guy in this room, you have talents, you have skills, you have ability, you have leadership opportunities. And sometimes for, for a man to make a difference in the kingdom of God, you know what he has to do? He has to still be breathing and show up. Guys, sometimes the greatest contribution a man can make to the kingdom of God show up and say, I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to open doors every Sunday morning. Bob, I'm going to stand on an aisle and I'm going to meet everybody and shake everybody's hand that walks down the aisle. I'm going to volunteer just stand outside and work security in the children's area. So moms, when they walk in, they will, they will feel comfortable. I'm going to show up and I'm going to serve on a mission trip. I'm going to go on a mission trip. When someone needs to go on a mission trip, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to show up at a fall festival and say, just put me at a spot. And your contribution to the kingdom may not have a bunch of zeros behind it. But guys, if you've got breath, show up. What's your life tethered to? What kind of character will you live with? What contribution will you make to the kingdom? Here's number four, Chris, question. What am I willing to give up to complete my race? Guys, there are some of us, if we're going to run the way God wants us to run, we're going to have to take off the sin that so easily entangles us. And we're going to have to run the perseverance with, with, with perseverance the race that is set before us. Guys, what do you know in your own mind and your own heart that you need to give up? Guys, we all have them. I want you to know as your pastor, there are still things I need to give up. How many of you know that? And there are times that I preach and I'll talk about things and I'll go, man, there's still a little bitterness towards someone. I've got to give that up. 
For some of you, it might be a secret sin that draws you away that no one else knows about. But you know if you aren't careful someday, it's going to get you. What am I willing to give up? What am I tethered to? What kind of a character am I going to live with? What contribution am I willing to make? What do I need to give up so I can run for God better? And here's question number five. You ready? What do I want to communicate to others? See, we talked earlier about our character and what do we want people to say about us at our memorial service or at our funeral service? The last one is, while I still have breath, what do I want to say to others? I believe every man in this room has some other man or other friend that you know you need to communicate the gospel to them. I want you to know there are people in my life I know that I need to communicate the gospel with. What, I, what am I willing to communicate with others? I, I love what Paul said. Remember that verse I shared with you a few minutes ago, Acts chapter 20, verse 24? I want to read you the last part of that verse. This is about Paul. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. That's the accounting term. Compared to the grace and the riches and the mercy of God, my life is nothing. Then he goes on. He says, my only goal or aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Accounting term, focus for the future. This is the part I didn't read earlier. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace in my life. What does he want to communicate the rest of his life? The good news of God's grace in his life. Guys, every man in this room, we need, we need a mission to live for. We've got to define that mission, and some of it is general that we all understand, and some of it's very specific. As we think through just those five questions real quick again, here's how I'll close. Your life mission, what will I tether my life to? What will my character be like? What contribution will I make to the kingdom of God? What am I willing to give up in pursuit of my life mission? What am I willing to give up? And then finally, what am I going to communicate to those I love? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these, ga- these guys as we, as we share our, your word and we love you as best we can. God, I pray that if there's man in here that hasn't tethered his life to the grace and mercy of God, that they would count them, themselves and their lives as nothing. And instead exchange it for your love and the life in your son. God, I pray that if there are men in here that they are doing things that are going to compromise their character, that they would learn to live with a Christ-like character. Guys, God, if there are men in this room that they honestly, if they're honest, they haven't contributed much to the kingdom. God, I pray that we'd be contributors with our time and our talents and our gifts and our abilities as well as our resources. 
God, everyone in this room, including me, we know that there are some things that we need to give up so that we can run better. And then finally, God, let us, as we leave here today, leave here with the task that Paul had. After an accounting, he had compared his life to the grace of God, that he had understood his aim and goal, that he would live to communicate the grace of God to everyone he came into contact with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.